Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. living from age one to the age of 80, you can't buy yourself out of, you just can't buy, you can't buy your way out of these things. You can't trade five houses in Balboa Bay to offset the loss of a, a child you love. They just, there's nothing you can do about it. You might be able to tell everyone what to do on Jamboree, but you can't do anything to save your son's life. That's how the day of trouble is. And death equalizes all of us. But through faith in Jesus Christ, our weakest moment on the day of trouble is God's greatest strength. So yes, it's good to have shields. It's not a bad idea to dig a really good water system so you can withstand the siege. But in the end, our confidence is in who God is, not in who we are on the day of trouble. Our confidence isn't how much we've prepared ourselves for that day of trouble. Our confidence is in our childlike faith in the God who's over us with his strength on the day of trouble. Now, the second thing we see here is where he gives the, puts the letter before the Lord here in verse 14. It says, so, you know, it comes around a second time, the threats, the bullying, all the intimidation, all this stuff. And they're, they're reading the resume of what they've done. No one can stop them. You're not going to stop us. How dare you trust in the Lord? You better fear us because we're human government. And Hezekiah says this. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers. He read it because you can't deny a government law or mandate. He read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. That's what you do with that stuff. You read it and you spread it before the Lord. Whatever, whatever the day of trouble brings to you that strikes fear or sorrow or all these things in your life or uncertainty, we have to bring it before the Lord. So our weakest moment is God's greatest strength. And for us, our burdens in our weakest moment are to be given to the Lord. Our burdens, the letter, the threat, the releasing, the email, whatever it is that's happened, the reality, that burden, because burdens are heavy, trials, testing, trials, tribulation, and tragedy are all heavy things, depending on what degree they affect your life. And they're burdens. The human experience is essentially a series of burdens in a fallen world with faith triumphing over them. Our burdens, through faith in Jesus Christ, are to be given to the Lord. Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the grave for us to be crippled with fear of a worst-case scenario or to cease to live and grow for the kingdom on the day of trouble. And that burden has to be given to the Lord. And so we have that famous passage from Matthew 11 that I read to you now, what Jesus says about our burdens. Our burdens on the day of trouble, this letter... Such an imposing, intimidating letter. This is not the only intimidating letter in the Bible, of course, right? I mean, Ezra and those guys, and they're rebuilding the temple after the Babylonian captivity. They had the threatening letters. 
they're like, are you willing to sign, are you willing to sign your name and post on YouTube that you're, you're still building this temple when the government told you not to? They had their threatening letters. When Esther went in to risk her life before her husband, the king, she did so against government mandates that were also essentially driven by threatening letters to exterminate her people. But she fasted, just like we see the sackcloth and ashes here. And she went in. And remember what she said? Hey, if I live, I live. If I die, I die. But this is the day of trouble. And I'm going in there for my people, for my life, for my calling. My parents are gone. I'm a captive, but I'm going in. I won the beauty pageant. I'm going in right now. It's everything. For my future. For my children's future. For my uncle. For my relatives. For my first cousins and my cousins twice removed. For every Jewish person on planet Earth, I am going before the king right now on the day of trouble. And before she ever bowed the knee to the scepter of her king, she surely gave the burdens to the real king, the king of the universe. Who, by the way, in the most interesting things of all books in the Bible, the book of Esther is the only book where God's name is never mentioned in the Bible. Because a lot of times in the day of trouble, it seems like he's not there at all. And you don't even hear his name. That's how dark that book was. He's never mentioned but the faith is on display. Jesus said this about our burdens in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, Matthew 11, 28, come to me, all you who are labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There is no testing, trial, tribulation, or tragedy in the day of trouble that Jesus Christ does not want us to put on his shoulders. There's not one where he says, you carry this one alone. No. He yokes himself to us, if you will, and he leads us through that, and he carries that for us. Or like the famous story of footprints in the sand, where we felt like we were all alone with one set of footprints. He was carrying us. Yes, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. No one's exempt from the valley of the shadow of death, but aren't you very joyful to know that the good shepherd goes with us? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes my life from me, I lay it down. And he comes for us, and he's with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yea, I'm always with you. In fact, that passage from Joshua where he promised to never leave Joshua is the passage taken by the Holy Spirit in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 and said, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Plus, Jesus in the Great Commission said, I, will, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So the affirmation, the promise that his presence is always with us. And even if we might feel like in the day of trouble that his presence isn't there, bring the burden and lay it before him because he is there. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. And we have to believe on the day of trouble that the Lord is there. He needs to be in the heartbreaking email. He needs to be in the blasphemous blog. He needs to be with the tragic knock on the door. He needs to be in that room. He is in that room, but his people of faith, his servants, his daughters, his sons, they need to acknowledge him in that room and to take those burdens and let him carry us through those burdens. 
this year began with hearing of just a horrible situation, a child drowning, and it's just the whole story is just so I came and I came to think about it without just being so sorrowful. A child that drowned on Christmas Eve at the grandparents' house. I mean, that is as sorrowful as any human experience I could possibly think of could be. And I've seen a lot of sorrow in 35 years of ministry. And I was asked, what do you say? I'm like, you don't say anything. You just pray and you be there. Because for that family, that burden a whole entire church, we can say, we're going to be with you in this, or all these other people. We can get all Greg Laurie's people on the Harvest sign-up list for Crusades to say, we'll be with you in this. But no one can carry that burden except Jesus Christ for those people. Only Jesus can carry that burden. Because no one else brought that child into the world. Point of conception. The first birthday party, the second birthday party. Only Jesus saw all that. And only Jesus saw and knew what the future would hold on the day of trouble. Only Jesus can take you forward from that day. And that is why we must always learn early on in life to the last day to cast our burdens and cares upon him. I've thought about this with elderly care. I've been thinking about this, a lot about elderly care because my dad just went you know, from assisted living to memory care and you just see how these things play out. And I thought, you know, he's very happy and he loves where he's at right now and he loves the setup. And he doesn't, now he's in a wheelchair because he can't walk the 70 yards to the front door to go out and get in the car. And I told my sister on the phone yesterday, Barbie, I'm not sure how many times dad's going to want to come to our house anymore and just drive by PCH. He's really slowing down. But I've had this thought. As difficult as it is when you slow down and get a little foggy and you get a little fuzzy, if you will. What if you're actually sharper than people think you are? And you really know that they're downgrading your care. What if everyone around you in the room thinks because you're 94, you don't realize that you're being moved from a five-star location of assisted living or memory care to a two-star location of memory care? What if they think they don't notice that the one place you left had, did not have a bad smell, but the place they brought you to does have a bad smell? And they think you don't notice, but you do notice And what if at 95, you're like, wow, the kids really did this to me? Then give that burden to the Lord in memory care on that day. Because you're not going to want to be bitter toward your kids. You're not going to be bitter toward your grandkids. That's the last thing you want to do in the last season of your life. You're in the red zone. You want to finish strong. You can just have to love them, forgive them. And maybe you might even play dumb. Dad, this is a really nice place. Thank you, it is. But you know it's not as nice. See, we have to learn early on in life to the very, the very last breath to give our burdens to the Lord. If you end your journey in excruciating physical pain, because some people do. You know, a lot of terminal illnesses are very painful. When my mother-in-law died of cancer, and we took care of her. She li- we lived in her house with her, and we took care of her. And, they, you know, down the stretch, they give you morphine and stuff like that because it's very painful. And I just, I'd never up to that point in time, I wasn't even 40 yet. I was like 37 or 38. I'd never really realized that cancer can be very painful. Like, how I didn't know that was, I just, I didn't know. 
Both, my mom lost both of her siblings to cancer before they were 30, and she had experienced these things by visually, but I just, I didn't know. And what really got me the last few months that Grandma Pat was alive was how much pain she was in. And just thinking, man, I, oh, Lord, God of heaven and earth, I beg of you, please don't let me die in excruciating pain. But you know, if he does, give that burden to the Lord. Because who knows pain better than Jesus? How about Psalm 22? His description of what the cross feels like when you're on the cross. How about Isaiah 53? Isaiah's description of what he did for us on the cross. See, you can try and give that burden to politicians, relatives, co-workers, strangers, and any other 8 billion people on planet Earth, but none of them can carry it like our Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. No one can carry that burden from your heart. We run to the Father again and again. Uh, my soul needs a friend. My heart needs a surgeon, right? Like, who else can do that? No one. That's why you shouldn't fear men or women. You bow the knee to the Lord. Because on the day of trouble, they can't help you. They might be empathetic. They might be sympathetic. The difference between empathy, they acknowledge you're going through a hard thing. Sympathy is they know, they feel sorry for you. There's a difference. But only Jesus is everything that you need to be. And he says, my burden, he'll give us the strength on that day of trouble. We give him the yoke of burden. We give him the letter from Santa Carib, and he does the rest. We give it to him, and we're in peace. New facility, this memorial service, the small casket. I've seen a lot. I haven't seen it all, but I've seen a lot. He gives us peace. We give him the burden. He'll give us peace that surpasses all understanding on the day of trouble. And as I mentioned earlier, the day of trouble can be a season of trouble, but nonetheless, he'll carry it. Finally, the last thing we see in this, the day of trouble from Hezekiah. So we, our weakest moment is God's greatest strength in the day of trouble. And our, our greatest burden is to be given to the Lord in the day of trouble. And the final thing we see is this last verse of when he's praying. As he prays here, the last verse here in verse 19, he says, after all, he says, yes, Lord, I'm a realist. I, I'm, he's a positive guy, but he's like, there, there's no denying. It's a, it's a negative truth. These guys have conquered everybody. They've laid waste the nations and the lands. But the truth of the matter is they were not true gods that they destroyed, but you are the true God. And then he says, therefore, you allow it to, to destroy it. But now, therefore, verse 19, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand. What is a better prayer than Lord, save us? Do you know a better prayer than that? Lord, save us. Jesus' name means Savior. Like, that's, that's a prayer that calls upon his name. Lord, save us from his hand. That, this is key, that all the kingdoms of earth may know that you are the Lord God alone. Now, Isaiah the prophet would say in his book, I am the Lord, there is no other, speaking of the Lord. There's no God like me, there's no rock like me. And truly, there is no God except the Lord. This whole universe, trillion galaxies held together to the benefit of 8 billion people to come to know him, this God of the universe is the only God, the God who's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and sent his Son to die on the cross for our sins. And in this third point, we see that our faith is our foundation in that day. Because this is where we really see his faith. Because his worldview, now we know Hezekiah, 
was 25 when he became king. We know his dad was a horrible king. Ahaz was the worst. And we know he became king in the most excruciating, cruxable tension of times. But we know his first year of being a king, he refurbished the temple, refurbished worship, rehired all the worship leaders to lead worship for the people and brought praises back into the city of the king. And from the very beginning of his reign, he did good. And he put the Lord over everything. His faith had been growing, obviously, but when he became a a man of position and a man of influence, he was unashamed to be all in for the Lord. Thus, it said, as we studied last week, he he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, even like his father David. King number 13 of the Judah kings, after 200 years, is the first one that is compared to the one and only great King David. And David is known for being great because he had a heart for the Lord. And in that line from David in 1000 BC to the time Christ came, a thousand years, ten centuries of the connection between the Virgin Mary plus the stepfather Joseph and how that all ties together. Of all those kings, this guy is maybe the best one of them all. He tore those things down. We're not worshiping the bronze serpent anymore. We're not worshiping these high places. We're not committing emphasis anymore. That's over. And so we talked about this too. When earlier on during the beginning of Sennacherib's attack, he stripped the temple and, and gave gold to Sennacherib to try and keep him away, and that didn't work. And we talked about that being the, the, wor- the best choice of all the bad choices. Because when it's the day of trouble, you, you know, the day of trouble could be you could do this, 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 or this. And I put everything in four, four options. A, B, and C, and D is anything other than A, B, and C. That's how I keep it simple in my mind. I can't do more than a four square. A, B, C, D is anything other than that. And as he had to make these tough decisions, stripping the temple of gold was the best of the tough decisions he could come up with. It was a really bad choice, but not as bad as some of the other ones. And that's what he did. This is that man. And this man was a man of faith. He had the faith to tear down things that were offensive. He had the faith to destroy the bronze serpent that had been worshipped like a icon for 600 years he he had the faith to take on the high places where the lewd behavior happened underneath every green tree he took tore down the booths of all the agenda people he 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 was fearless in his faith and so when this day came it's who he was his faith was his foundation because he closes this prayer with this affirmation that you are lord god and you alone See, the entire event now is between him and the Lord. It's a vertical experience. It's not about Santa Crib or his little buddy that talks smack, whatever. It's not about 185,000 Assyrians or a wonderful water system that you build or the shields you built to save your army. It is about you and the Lord and knowing that God is on the throne and God is in control. Isaiah, his contemporary, who we went to in this book, had in chapter 6 described seeing the Lord in his glory at the death of Uzziah, which has already happened. He saw the glory of the Lord. Isaiah had the vision. And here he is, and he's saying, you who dwell by the cherubim. He is taking his problem. He's taking his weakness, his burden, this letter, and cast it before the Lord. And he's putting it before the throne of God. He's put it before, he's put it in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, in the throne of glory. The four living creatures, the rainbow, all that. That's where we need to put the day of trouble. His heart is in eternity, and what he is declaring is eternal. These are eternal truths. Your 
It's the Lord's Prayer. Yours is the, yours is the power and the glory forever. Yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. What's he say? That all kingdoms on earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. And that's what the day of trouble teaches us. That our confidence isn't in this doctor, this job, this asset wealth, this thing, this cure, whatever. Just the Lord. My dad, before he got kind of fuzzy, I mentioned this once before, he told me the story about uh, my mom's brother dying of cancer. He knew my mom's brother. He died before he was 30. They amputated a leg to try and save him. And in the end, he just he died of cancer before he was 30. And very handsome man. And, but a story my dad told me just a few years ago I never heard before is that my grandfather, Bud, who was uh, the father of Bud Jr., with that Catholic background, he went to Italy looking for the special healing waters and all these different things, you know, this, this statue or whatever. And he came back with holy healing water to try and save his son. Now, if you told me that 30 years ago, I would have been like, what a waste. But having now having adult children and grandchildren, if I thought, if I thought even 0.00% that healing water could actually heal my kid, I'm on a plane to, I'm a, I, am, I am on a plane to Rome. And as Brian Jameson said, as his daughter was dying, Joey, let me tell you something, hope sells. And there's a lot of people that are trying to sell hope and make money from people who are suffering. Hope sells. And as Brian said, our hope is in the Lord. I'll never forget Jack McEwen, who leads worship here, leading Trinity Jameson in worship the day before she passed to be with the Lord on her bed in her house with her little dog beside her. Sometimes when Jack is here, I think of that day. Oh, I think of the memorial that Danny Darling and I did for his friends who lost their newborn at one week. That's a different day. See, you associate these things where you know that your only confidence, the, the fullness of your faith was in the Lord. How do you do a graveside funeral for people you've never met with a little casket? Your faith is in the Lord. How do you sing songs to a girl who's passing away when you're a teenager and she's 10? Your faith is in the Lord. How do you show up and minister to that family the day right during Thanksgiving holiday? Your faith is in the Lord. How do you look at them on December 4th and bury their child for all eternity? Your faith is in the Lord. The foundation for us in the day of trouble is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the rock and who alone is the Lord. And the day of trouble makes our vision so clear and so simple. It's Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And everything is moving us toward the kingdom and the glory. And all this is temporal. And all that matters is our heart being transferred, the surgeon, our soul having a friend, and Jesus taking us from point A to point B. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I close this third point in this text, this message, with this text from 1 John chapter 5. It's, it's a great verse. 1 John chapter 5. In speaking of our victory, he says, And this, 1 John 5 verse 4, And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Our victory in overcoming the world system and everything that comes with it Testing, trials, tribulations, tragedy, the world, the flesh, the devil, and anything that can transcend dimensions, our victory is our faith. And it starts with a childlike faith in Jesus. It grows and goes through seasons. 
in the very last moment, eternity comes for us, and it's coming for us, it's going to be the thing that transcends the dimensions, our faith. This is our victory. What is that overcomes the world? Our faith. Our faith in Jesus. Not faith in faith, not faith in politicians, world rulers, human philosophies. Our faith in the Savior. So when we say save us on that last breath, it is the Savior coming to save us. And we are the church of Jesus Christ. And we are the pillar of truth. And we are the steward of these truths. And we can never let testings, trials, tribulations, or fear of men ever move us from this firm foundation that we alone have and we invite the world to share with us in the person, the work, the presence, and the promises of Jesus Christ. Yes and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.